Welcome to Sunday Morning at Faith Assembly, featuring the ministry of Senior Pastor Phil Goss. We're glad you've joined us. Now, here's Pastor Goss. It's a great time of the year, and uh, today, strangely enough, we're going to start talking about Christmas, the coming of the Savior, the coming of the Messiah. And we're beginning a new series today, Pastors Out of Town, but uh, he'll be continuing over for the next couple of weeks, a new series that is entitled, God Speaks at Christmas. You know, one of the most amazing things is that God didn't stay in silence. He spoke and he speaks to us through this year. Today, we're going to speak about how God speaks through a spokesman, through spokesman, prophets. We're going to talk a little bit about them today. Today I want to cover one of the many words that we can use to describe Christmas because there's no one word that sums it all up if you think about it. There's mystery and intrigue and salvation and poverty and and, uh, miracles and all of those things. But the one thing that I would like for us to concentrate today is the idea of light, that Christ came to bring light to a dark world. The message of light is especially important for us this year, isn't it? Because of all of the things that we're living under, the darkness of the times that we live in, people have been living in darkness for a long time, but into that darkness, Christ came to bring light. He came to push back the darkness. God wanted those who were living in darkness to know about that coming light, and so God spoke through the prophets. Would you please uh, pay attention to the screen? That's the darkness. So, this is what you want me to tell them, the people. Your people who have lived in dark exile all these many years with their their backs up against some Babylonian wall. It was one thing when you had me tell the king that a a virgin would give birth. Go back to sleep, my dear. I'm talking to God. Is he listening? Uh, What do you mean, is he listening? Are you listening to him? You see what I mean, Lord? Even my own wife questions me. Now, you are God Almighty. You do what you want to do. But you want me to tell the people that Messiah is going to be just uh, some plain fellow like one of us? That he's going to suffer? He's going to die? Uh, Why not Moses uh, to lead us out of exile? Or uh, or King David, uh, the mighty warrior, not some tiny little... Uh, Where is the oil for the lamp? It's where it always is. Uh, Ah! This is what I'm talking about, Lord. We are a people 
in darkness, stumbling around, stubbing our toe on the sin of the world. We need a mighty rescuer. We need, uh, we need a savior, not some tiny little. Ah. Such a tiny flame. And the whole room is filled with light. I am a man of unclean lips. Forgive me, Lord. I will tell them what you have shown me, even if I don't understand it. I will trust you, good Lord, in your own good time to, to bring us uh, Emmanuel, to bring us light and hope. Yeah. Light and hope. I'm coming back to bed. Much of what we know about the Christmas story, other than the actual story in the New Testament where the birth of Jesus is actually told about, much of the detail about what that would be like and what he would do for us came from the prophet Isaiah. Now Isaiah, as you can tell, was a man just like anybody else, but God chose him and God chose him to speak through him. We get an idea of what that was like if you look in your notes, Isaiah 6 Isaiah says, it was the year of King Uzziah that he died that I saw the Lord. He's speaking of a vision. He didn't actually see the Lord, but he saw the Lord in a heavenly vision. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. Just, just picture this in your mind. With two wings, they covered their faces, and with two, they covered their feet, and with two, they flew, and they were calling out to each other, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. Their voices shook the temple to its foundations, and the entire building was filled with smoke. And then I said, it is all over. I am doomed, for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips, and I, I live among a people with filthy lips, and yet I have seen the King, the Lord of heaven's armies. The one, then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he'd taken from the altar with a pair of tongs, and he, he touched my lips with it, and he said, see, this coal has touched your lips, and now your guilt is removed, and your sins are forgiven. And then I heard the Lord asking, whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? And I said, here I am, send me. And from that moment forward, Isaiah began to speak for God. God spoke to him and he spoke to the people. The Bible tells us a people who were living in darkness. What he spoke was light that would bring salvation 
and redemption to people everywhere and for all time. Now, for some of you who aren't familiar with those terms, that's okay. So let me just tell you that salvation simply means to save, to save us from our sin. It's from the root word salve, and it means to save, to save us from death, hell, and the grave. That's one of the things that Jesus came to do. And redemption simply means regaining what was lost, buying us back to God so that we could be his people. And through the Spirit, Isaiah saw the Lord of heaven's armies, the coming of Jesus, and this in a few moments, is how he described it. But before he talked about the coming light, he warned of judgment that would come to a people who walk in sin. Isaiah 9 in your notes, nevertheless, that time of darkness will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. And for those who live in a land of deep darkness, or one translation says, those that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, a light will shine. He was telling them judgment is coming. In fact, the judgment that the people walked through for a long time was hundreds of years But in the midst of God saying, listen, you're going to be punished for your sin and your transgression, he says through Isaiah to them and to us, but listen, a light is coming. God is light, and his light brings us life. Jesus is light, and he brings us life. The two go together. Life comes when the light of God shines into your heart. Now, of course, light is a metaphor. What is darkness? So let's talk about what darkness really is, because when the Bible speaks of darkness, It's not talking about the sun went down and the moon came up and it's dark outside. What it's speaking of is spiritual darkness. Darkness is a a terrifying thing. It's a spiritual darkness. It's a a struggle between darkness and light. It's a a place where, where there's helplessness and hopelessness and there's fear and it's the great nothingness and you're afraid of the future because you're walking in the dark. What puts us in the dark? Our sin puts us in the dark, yours and mine. It's what it means to be truly lost when you're walking in the darkness. Sometimes people don't even know that they're in the darkness until the consequences, the emptiness and the confusion come upon them and suddenly they realize, I'm walking in the darkness. But Jesus into the dark world brings light. The dark of people's life, in that time, God brings a prophet, Isaiah, Let's talk about what a prophet is so that you understand why God needed to use a spokesman. Because a prophet was a messenger. It was someone who, he was somebody who, who heard from God or saw God, received something from God, and then conveyed that message, conveyed what he heard and saw to God's people. A prophet, the, the Hebrew word is navi, and its general meaning is a spokesman. It sounds really cool to be a prophet, till you realize that what it means is you're a spokesman. You're somebody who speaks on behalf of someone else. It's a man who is called to communicate the revealed word of God to other people. When Pastor Goss stands up here and preaches, and he's speaking on behalf of God, he is working, he is speaking prophetically. He is speaking on behalf of God to us. So that's what a prophet is. What is the role of a prophet? Deuteronomy tells us, I will raise up a prophet from among you, from among their fellow Israelites, and I will put words into his mouth, and he will tell the people 
everything that I command him. Now listen to this, verse 19 tells us that it's important to listen to what the prophet says. God says, I will personally deal with anyone who will not listen to the message the prophet proclaims on my behalf. God chose prophets because he wants to speak. He chose to speak to us, and in those days, through a spokesman. God speaks to us through prophets. Hosea 12 tells us, I sent my prophets to warn you with many visions and parables. Parables are stories that illustrate a spiritual truth. God reveals his plans to the prophet. If you think the world is out of control, if you think that God doesn't know what's going on, there is a plan that God has had since before time began for us. And God reveals that plan, usually little by little. God reveals that plan to us and wants to. Amos 3, 7 says, Indeed, the sovereign Lord never does anything until he reveals his plans to his servants, the prophets. God wants you to know what's coming next. God wants you to know what he thinks and what he wants you to do. So how did God speak to his prophets? Numbers 12 tells us, And the Lord said to them, Now listen to what I say. If there were prophets among you, I, the Lord, would reveal myself in visions. I would speak to them in dreams. That's how the prophets most of the time heard from God. It wasn't always an audible voice. It wasn't God showing up physically in front of them. But God gave them dreams and visions. Sometimes he appeared in visions, and in other times he simply spoke to them. So why? did God send prophets? Why did he want them? Well, to guide the people in the right way. Second Chronicles says, yet the Lord sent prophets to bring them back to him. The prophets warned them, but still the people would not listen. God uses prophets to lead his people out of the darkness into the light and protect them in doing that. You're in the dark. There are bad things in the dark. Come out of the light. The prophets had to interpret the judgments of the Lord so the people would understand God's not just mad at you, but you've sinned against God, and he must respond in his holiness and his righteousness because of your sin. Hosea 12, 13 tells us that he, he wanted to do that, not to punish us, but so that we would be protected from the ravages of sin. Then, by a prophet, the Lord brought Jacob's descendants out of Israel, and by that prophet, they were protected. That prophet, by the way, was Moses. Moses was a prophet. He spoke on behalf of God. Everything, everything that God did, everything he does, everything he communicates is redemptive in nature. We get the wrong idea. If you, if you read the Old Testament very much and you hear all of the warnings from God and he, he says, you better do this or, or better not do this or this is going to happen, we need to understand that when God does that, he's warning us and his purpose is to redeem us, to buy us back, to help to restore our lives to what they're supposed to be. And so he says, don't do these things so that you can live. It's redemptive in nature. Here's the big point. God has spoken of his plan to free us from darkness. And he speaks through his prophet, the words that we read today, but he speaks through his son Jesus of his desire to bring light into the darkness of our world. He has always spoken because he loves us and he wants to redeem us and not punish us. That's the good news. That's the light that Jesus brought at Christmas time. That God, who spoke through the prophets, wanted us to know light was coming. In your darkness, you can find light. Many of the prophecies of those days in the Old Testament were for those people, but many of them had an application to the future, to us as well. This is not in your notes, but let me read you one so that you'll get an idea about this. This is 1 Peter 1. This salvation, 
was something even the prophets wanted to know more about when they prophesied about the gracious salvation prepared for you. They wondered what time or situation the Spirit of Christ within them was talking about when he he told them in advance about Christ's suffering and his great glory afterward. They were told that their messages were not for them, but for you, for you, for this time, for us. And now this good news has been preached to you by those who preached in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. It is all so wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. Friends, it's a great plan, and God wanted us to know. He wanted us to know that in the darkness of our lives, both as a people and individually, a light is coming. And now, because of Christ, a light has come. Because of sin and disobedience, we can be taken captive and we can suffer loss for a long time. The people of Israel were about to be taken for hundreds of years because of their sin. And so God wanted to warn them about that, but he wanted them to know that there was hope for them, even in the midst of darkness. And he spoke it through Isaiah. Take a look at Isaiah 9 in your notes. Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair that you're going to go through will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future. He was speaking of when Christ would come. When Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. And this is my favorite. This is my favorite line out of Isaiah because it's so powerful. He said, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, the shadow of death, a light will shine. And then he speaks of God and says, you will enlarge the nation of Israel and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as a people rejoice at the harvest and like warriors dividing the plunder. In other words, with great reason, they will rejoice. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burdens from their shoulders. He is speaking prophetically to the people at that time that they will be delivered from their oppressors. But he's speaking to you and me that our enemy, our enemy will be defeated and the burden will be lifted from our shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod. Who's the oppressor? Satan. Jesus will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian and the boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war will all be burned. There'll be fuel for the fire. In other words, it will be completed in totality. The light will come and push the darkness away And Christ will bring victory, not only to planet Earth, but into our individual lives. And then comes a very familiar passage after these verses. It's verse 6. You know, you could probably almost know this by heart. Verse 6, for, or because, he says, a child is born to us. A son is given. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, His government and its peace will never end. Would you love to have a government with peace (laughs) that will never end? Friends, it's coming. It's coming. That's a part of the light that Christ is bringing. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. And the passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's army will make that happen. Isaiah wants us to know that the coming of Jesus will bring light 
into the world. So let's break down verse 6 and what it says. It says, a child is born, a son is given to us. A son? A son is coming? What does that mean? Psalm 2 gives us a little insight. The king proclaims the Lord's decree. The Lord said to me, speaking of Jesus prophetically here, by the way, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Only ask, and I will give you the nations as your inheritance, the whole earth as your possession. That's what God the Father promised to Jesus when he sent him. A child, a child is born. Like the, like the video said, what, a child? Yes, a child who would grow up to be a heavenly king and an earthly king at the same time. It's the birthday of an earthly king who is already a heavenly king that we celebrate. And since he's an earthly king, one day he will actually rule here on earth. Has Jesus ruled on earth yet? Thank you, three of you, no. No, he hasn't yet. That's how we know that this part of the prophecy is for the future, for our future. But it's, it, it brings light into our darkness because what he's saying is, listen, don't you worry about all those yahoos in Washington Jesus is coming, and he's going to rule with righteousness. The whole world will be filled with his glory and his righteousness. And this says the government will be upon his shoulders. He'll have authority. He will rule the earth. Genesis 49, (laughs) Moses was already talking about it way back then. It says, the scepter will not depart from Judah. Jesus is from the tribe of Judah, nor the ruler's staff from his descendants until... The coming one to whom it belongs, the one to whom all nations will honor. Who's that? Jesus. Thank you. Some of you are starting to wake up. I'm really proud of you this morning. He's going to receive the kingdom of earth from his father, and he's going to deliver it from the misrule of godless men who have used their rule for their own purposes and against God's purposes. Jesus is coming, and the government is going to rest on his shoulder and it's going to result in light coming to the darkness. Light will come one day when Jesus rules the governments of this world, and it says his rule will be unending. Verse 7, his government and its peace will never end. Friends, we've got something to look forward to. There's a crack of light. There's light at the end of the darkness because of what Jesus said. And the extent of that rule and the extent of that light is revealed in the names that Isaiah goes on to say that deliverer, that Messiah, will be called by, by. first of all, wonderful counselor. He's a God who guides his people. Jesus turned the world upside down. He said, you've heard it said this, 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 but I say, and he told us that, that the world is upside down, and if we would live, if we would turn it right, back, ups, uh, right side up by living the way he spoke, light and freedom could come into the world. Jesus can give us wonderful counsel because he's the only one who loves his followers enough to have come to be a part of our lives. Philippians 2, though he was God, it says, he did not think of equality with God's in terms of privilege as something to hold on to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges, took the humble position of a slave, and was born as a human being. Jesus understands and can walk through the dark because he experienced it and he overcame it too. Hebrews 4, this high priest of ours understands our weakness. He's been there. He's done that. He knows what it's like. He went through the same testings that we did, and yet he didn't sin. Boy, there's a whole sermon wrapped up in that one for you and me. 
So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, and there we will receive his mercy and find his grace to help us when we need it most. Jesus knows what we're going through and can give us great counsel because he's been through what all of us have come through. Proverbs 3, 6 tells you how to do it. Seek God's will in all you do, and he will direct your paths. That's pretty good counsel, isn't it? 1 Corinthians 1 says, but to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. God has united you with Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made him, Jesus, to be wisdom itself. In those moments when you don't know what to do, it feels like darkness, doesn't it? And in those moments, the wonderful counselor, who is wisdom, comes and says, I have light you'll just seek me, I'll give it to you. His godly wisdom fuels his counsel to us. It also says he'll be called mighty God. Really? A son? A child? Mighty God? Yes. Yes. Titus 2 says we should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God while we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory, the might of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. The child that was born, the son who was given, is referred to as mighty God. In Hebrew, it's El Gibor. El is the shortened word, the shortened form of Elohim. Elohim simply means God. What's God's name? No, God's name is Yahweh, Jehovah. That's I am that I am. All right, little doctrine lesson here for you. That was a trick question, I know. A lot of people don't know that. We refer to him as God. God is kind of this, it's it's what we refer to. A lot of you refer to me as pastor, but really, I'm Steve, right? But when you call me pastor, you're dressing me for kind of who I am or what I am. Well, when we, when we refer to God, we're speaking of Yahweh, Jehovah. But we refer to him as God in that sense. And so this uh, almighty God, so it's El, Elohim, God, Gibbon, which simply means the victor, the all-powerful, the hero. It actually translates hero. This little baby is going to be mighty God. And by the way, what Isaiah anticipated in his prophecy, the New Testament tells us, came true. He's a mighty God. He turned the world upside down. It says he'll be called everlasting father. A child? A son? How is that possible? Well, we're getting into Trinity uh, uh, theology right here, but, but God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three, yet one. What it's saying here is he's gonna, Jesus is going to be equally the equal part of God that he always is. And as a result of that, we can refer to him as everlasting father. John 10, 30, Jesus said, the father and I are one. Pretty simple, right? John 14, 9, Jesus replied, have I been with you all of this time, Philip, and you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen God the father. He'll be called almighty God, everlasting father everlasting because he inhabits and possesses eternity. Isaiah 57 says, for thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits, lives in eternity, whose name is holy. He says, I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a a contrite and humble spirit to receive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite, humble ones." His name is everlasting. It's eternal because he is eternal. Psalm 72, his name will endure forever. His name shall continue as long as the sun and men shall be blessed by him and all nations shall call him blessed. 
He's the everlasting provider, Revelation 21. He said to me, it's done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the, of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. Part of the light that has been brought to us is that Jesus has the ability to provide for us forever, to be our provider. Very quickly then, Prince of Peace. Verse 7 says, His government and the peace among men and, and the peace it will bring will never end and he'll rule with fairness and justice. And so Isaiah says, rejoice. A savior is coming. He's going to be all of these things. And into the darkness of life, into the darkness that you find yourself, he is all of these things and he's coming. And of course we know he came. So what is the darkness? Let's just clarify that one more time. Isaiah said it earlier in his book, in Isaiah 1, this is also not in your notes. Sorry about that. Listen, O heavens, pay attention, earth. This is what the Lord says. The children I raised and cared for have rebelled against me. Even an ox knows its owner and a donkey recognizes its master's care. But Israel doesn't even know its master. My people don't recognize my care for them. Oh, what a sinful nation they are, loaded down with a burden of guilt. They are evil people, corrupt children who have rejected the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel and turned their back on him. Is there any better way to describe the culture we're living in? Things haven't changed a bit. Friends, we're walking in darkness. We are walking in dark times, aren't we? Jesus came and has brought light that's available to us now, but Jesus will come again and bring light to the darkness that pervades the earth. We are a people who walk in darkness. But here's the thing. The darkness isn't just around us. The darkness is in us, isn't it? When we sin, we step out of God's light and we step into the darkness of guilt and shame and death. The Bible says the soul that sins will die. And so there's darkness in everyone's life. Sometimes we walk through deeper periods of darkness, don't we? And sometimes those times of darkness are because of the sins that we've committed or the poor choices that we've made. But sometimes the darkness is just there because we live in a broken world. But we too live in darkness. So what's our hope? I'm glad that you asked that question. Our hope is the light and the forgiveness that Jesus brought, the whole reason that he came to earth was to pay for our sins, to do away with the darkness, and to bring light into our lives whenever there is darkness, and for whatever reason that there is darkness. The hope is that the stain of our sin is made clean, and it is when we make Jesus the Lord of our life. And if you're a believer here today, if you've given your life to Jesus, your great hope is that the light is already in you. The hope that those of you who are in this place who have not yet made Jesus the Lord of your life is that the light is here and can be yours if you'll invite it into your life. There is life. The hope that a king came and brought life with him. And there's a hope for all of us that the one who came and brought light is coming again to bring the light that we need to finally extinguish the darkness that this world lives in. The light has come, the light that brings hope in the midst of darkness. It's the light that brings forgiveness of sin. It's the light that enables us to be reconciled, made friends again with God. It's the light 
that will bring peace among nations and that can bring peace into your heart. That's the light that Christ brought today. Who is that? Chapter 7, Isaiah gives us a sign regarding who that was, who it would be. Isaiah 7, all right then, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, a virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and call his name Emmanuel, which means God is with us. 600 years after Isaiah made that prophecy, another prophet, a priest actually, Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, also preached about that light. Luke 16, then his, John the Baptist, John's father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and gave this prophecy. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. He has sent us a mighty savior from the royal line of his servant David, just as he promised through the holy prophets, Isaiah being one of them, long ago. Now we will be saved from our enemies, from all who hate us. He has been merciful to our ancestors by remembering his sacred covenant, the covenant he swore with an oath to our ancestor Abraham. But we have been rescued from our enemies so we can serve God without fear, in holiness and righteousness for as long as we live. We celebrate the light of Christmas this year, the arrival of Jesus, who is the light, who brought the light. And that light brings life, and it brings hope. And it's some of the greatest news that was foretold way back by the prophet Isaiah, which has been realized before you and I were even born, and which is continuing to be realized in the light that he brings into our lives, and which will be realized ultimately, finally, completely one day, when Jesus comes the second time and finishes the work that he began. God spoke through the prophet Isaiah, spoke through many prophets, and then spoke to us through his son, Hebrews 1. Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. God promised everything to the son as an inheritance, and through the son, he created the universe. The son radiates God's own glory, God's own light, and expresses the very character of God. And he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. When he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. Isaiah's words about coming light were for the people of that time, but they were for the people of all time. And the good news of Christmas is that the light has come. The light has come pushing back the darkness to bring light into the darkness and ultimately overcome the darkness forever. Would you bow your heads this morning? If you're here today and you are lost in the darkness because of your disobedience and your sin and you know it, Christ came to bring you light freely. You need Christ's light. You need salvation. You need freedom from sin. The Bible says, if you believe Jesus is God's son, if you believe that God raised him from the dead, if you'll just confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, I want Jesus to be my Lord, you can be saved, redeemed today. I hope that right where you are, right where you are, you'll do that right now. Just say, God, I confess I'm a sinner. I need you today. I need that light to push back the darkness in my light, in my life, to give me freedom from the, from the sin that has, has taken over my life and brought the darkness. 
I believe Jesus is your son. I believe that you raised him from the dead. And with my mouth, I want to confess that Jesus is Lord of my life. Friend, if you'll do that today, right there where you are, Christ will come in. The light will come into your life. You'll have that light forevermore. For others in this room today, you are walking in darkness. You're a believer. But there's darkness all around you because we live in a broken world. And sometimes sickness, sometimes poverty, sometimes loss happens to us simply because we walk in a dark world. And maybe even though you're a believer, you're here today and there's darkness. And you need to take a moment to invite the light of life into that situation, into your circumstance, into your life. For you, we want to pray this morning. Lord, all over this room, there are people who are, we pray right now, turning from the darkness to the light. We thank you, Lord, for the salvation that's theirs, the light that is theirs. And for others, Lord, who find themselves in darkness in dark places today. You are the merciful God who sent your son to be light in that very circumstance. And so God, today into unemployment, we speak the name of Jesus. Into sickness, we speak the name and the light of Jesus. Into hopelessness, we speak the name and the light of Jesus. And we pray for them today. We pray for all of us today that during this time especially, but not only now, but for all time, your light would invade our lives and give us peace and bring us hope. We thank you that that is the message of this Christmas season, and we receive it today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If you would like to talk with someone about what you've heard, please visit our website at faith.ag or call us at 239-543-2700. If you're in the Fort Myers area and don't already have a church home, you're invited to join us for Sunday morning at 8.15 and 10.45 a.m. Faith Assembly is located at 7101 Bayshore Road. Join us again next week for Sunday Morning. Faith Assembly Sunday Morning is a production of Faith Assembly Media Tech, North Fort Myers, Florida.